Sometimes you just got to pick up a hooker and reenact the most dangerous game. It's time for Pod Cusack. Pod, 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 Pod Cusack. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pod Cusack, the only podcast dedicated to America's number one most medium big pile of warm pink flesh. Your boy, John Cusack. Uh, it is me, your host, Matt Strickland. And oh, boy, do we have just one of the greatest episodes ever set to vinyl because uh, we have two just amazing guests first off we have returning guest comedian former drummer in the world's most dangerous band searshin uh video professional his name's tim mahoney thank you so much for being back on the pod tim hey thanks so much for having me matthew uh i'm, I'm looking forward to getting this on nice uh wax yeah we only here at cusack studios we only record on wax respect with me also is Emmy Award winner, lead guitarist in the world's greatest rock and roll band, Lummox, uh, video professional, father of one and a half, I would say, because you have your own kid, but then also Tim in the mix. Uh, Nate Ford, thank you so much. Hi, it's a pleasure. You know, Tim's been on this podcast, so we sort of have his general thoughts on the cues. Yeah. himself so but before we get into the movie which we were talking about today which is 2013's the frozen ground wonderful thriller with nick cage uh let's i'd love to talk to you a little bit about what you think of cusack as an actor as a celebrity in general what are your thoughts on cusack do you like him are you a fan are you a super fan are you a super duper fan what are your thoughts on the super duper fan because i think he's he's one of those like that his appeal is that he doesn't kind of engender super strong feelings. Um, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I haven't listened to this podcast before. But I, I feel like, <laughs> you know, I'm of the generation that kind of grew up with him and the, like, John Hughes stuff. And um, <clears throat> Do you mean to say appeal- you grew up in the generation that used uh, Morse code to communicate or something? Semaphore? <laughs> Yeah, Sam, or or uh, or uh, what's uh, Did stone you ask, and chisel? Yeah, you asked your girlfriend to prom using an Aldous lamp. Nice. Yeah, your prom was uh, interrupted by an asteroid coming and killing all the dinosaurs that were your chaperones. Yeah, you took yeah, a brachiosaurus and, to prom. Yeah, you fucking dinosaur ass. <laughs> Get him out of here. It was cool. We both, me and my prom date, had life expectancies of thirty-two. But yeah, so, so you were. But he, he, so like I before this stupid endeavor, I asked my wife what she th- th- thinks about John Cusack, and she said I don't think about him because she's a little bit younger than me. She said I just don't think about him at all, and I, and I think because he was his appeal in in that stuff, the stuff that I kind of grew up with of his was he was sort of like the. You know, he was like a relatable everyman kind of dude. He he wasn't like, <clears throat> to the extent that he was like, he might be a heartthrob. He wasn't a heartthrob because he was like a stud. He was a heartthrob because he was like, you know, su- super relatable, I guess. J- just like too bland to be to be really. Um, so, and but what's really interesting about this movie and this role for him is you take that kind of. I mean, it's kind of like with Tim here, like you have this visage of of almost um, coma inducing blandness, but then 
but that hides a monster, you know? Right, true. I don't know which part of that I care for less. I mean, um, definitely the blandness. <laughs> Although if I'm a monster below it, I feel like that's the real. Oh, no, monster's thing. cool. There's no visage of blandness energy drink. Ooh. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> it's called Capri Sun and Tim's drinking it. Yeah. Um, a thing that my wife pointed out that I, that was smart was that a lot of these like kind of bland stars of the of that bygone era have started doing more like we get it roles. you have a wife <laughs> she's the weed. she lives in canada let's just say we had to cut some stuff out of the episode and that's that but getting back to yeah i'll cut. say it again i don't care how offensive it is i'll say it again you can cut it out as many times as you want i'm protecting you tim i don't i just don't want you to get canceled. i got a bright this movie wasn't the only thing with a hard R. Tim's dick. <laughs> oh, I thought it was like a pirate joke. All right, but the movie we are talking about, I forgot, I don't know where we were after Tim went on that horrible tirade. Uh, the anti-Semitism was pretty, I, I'm it's still ironic. It's ironic. Yeah, well, he's like a self-loathing Jew, so it's like, it's more sad than it is offensive, I think. I think maybe um, it, now that he's got like the sort of a, Hasid facial hair he has to overcome. Okay, I feel like for a pot for a podcast about John Cusack, the ratio that we're talking about me versus John Cusack, uh, I don't, uh, you know. Well, I've always sort of thought of you as the it's John a, it's Cusack a podcast of about this podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast really? about really wow bland, <laughs> forgettable monsters. Well, he's not bland and forgettable in this film, The Frozen Ground. Which let's just start talking about first of all let's get some stats out of the way every episode we talk about the cusack number that's how many cusacks are in this film we got john we got joan we got you know Susie. we got Anne. there's many cusacks but the cusack number of this movie is one only john wow. appears there's only one cusack ron tomatoes gave it a 61 percent, which i thought was actually pretty generous i don't know huh. if this movie deserved I th- that I... high okay okay i, I what... well it felt very much like a lunchtime workforce classic to me. Yeah. And I, oh, we may be cutting that section where we explain what that no, is. But well, And I feel like in that world, you and I would have sort of bickered a little bit and, you know, haggled back and forth over whether it's a two and a half. Yeah. No less than a two, no more than a three. And it's like somewhere along those lines. I will say, I thought it was interesting that the, the you know, they do little concise rev- sum ups of all the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and they said that this one was a welcome return to form from Nick Cage. Hmm. Well, I don't. Sorry to interrupt. I, no. I that's so odd because I found it to be such an uncharacteristically, like subdued. So maybe form for them means um, he's not, not Nicholas, acting I, like Nick Cage. I feel like in the last five years, there's been like a weird reversal in how people remember Nick Cage's old work and current work he's he's very rarely that crazy outside of those like four or five examples where he's totally bonkers i mean i think that this was this was 2013 which was the peak i think of the nick cage as a meme um was it i feel like it was because this was like you know second obama administration no one was paying attention to anything that was going on and it was all just like people posting like the clips of him from a vampire uh vampire's kiss and stuff and like uh from you know the wicker man remake and it was like the peak of that it was well well before the reappreciation of Nicolas cage because there's always been the the old standard standbys like me i've like always been yeah. Leaving Las Vegas is awesome. Con Air is awesome. Love The Rock. Love his action stuff. Love his serious stuff. Love his crazy cult, you know. Yeah, he's great. Because he's always been like, 
he'll do he's always had he could hit every number on the dial i think because at the same year he could do like a rom-com yeah but then he could also do you know he did like you know raising arizona or wild at heart like he's always been able to go to like that sort of more campy place um and i feel like this i feel like them the people who who make that kind of statement, it's just like anytime they're watching a movie where he's not yelling and sweating profusely, that's like, oh well, this must be serious, Nick Cage. Right. Like, no, he has he has all of it covered. So I was hard. waiting for him to start drinking himself to death. I was a little bit disappointed. I mean, he can't huh. do that every every film. I feel like Nicolas Cage is good. Nicholas Cage is definitely good. Can I before we get this is a John Have Cusack done- podcast, and we will talk more about Cusack, but I w- would like to, as as this is probably the last time on this podcast, we will talk about Nick Cage because we've already done Con Air. Um, I would just like to say that it's funny to me how much I thought, in my head, I was like doing research for the podcast and I was trying to find this quote because I thought it was Cusack who said it, but it was actually Ethan Hawke, who, do you guys know how, how much Ethan Hawke is in love with Nicolas Cage? No. He so in a in a in a AMA on Reddit he said I'm kind of obsessed with Nicolas Cage. He's the only actor since Marlon Brando that's actually done anything new with the art of acting. He's successfully taken us away from obsession with naturalism into a kind of predestination style of acting that I imagine was popular with old troubadours. If I could erase his bottom half of bad movies and only keep his top half of movies, he would blow everyone else out of the water. He's put a little too much water in his beer, but he's still one of the greatest actors of our time. And working with him was an absolute pleasure. In fact, one of my favorite scenes I've ever done is the last scene of Lord of War. That was his AMA. And then five years later in Newsweek, he said, I think Nicolas Cage is one of the few people in the history of acting that's really changed the form. I mean, he's a true original, one of the greatest actors ever. His confidence and madness and dedication, if you take his top 10 performances, I'd put them against anybody. They're revelatory. You know, Stanislavski came up with this idea of naturalism and pursuing life as it is, moving away from more performance-oriented Shakespearean style of singing roles. Brando and Strasberg and the group theater and all these people push it forward. Gene Hackman, De Niro, Meryl Streep. We've been dutifully just following in in line, except for Nick Cage. He's doing something else. So... I do wow. feel like that little, among- that little history lesson was eerily reminiscent of listening to Tim talk about jazz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love too that Ethan Hawke thinks that there's a right amount of water to add to a beer. <laughs> yeah. He's put it just a little too yeah, much. Is that a figure of speech? That's not a figure no, of speech. He, he made that up. Yeah. I, I, is, maybe there's like a water and a whiskey thing. Cause sometimes you do just put a little bit of water and whiskey. Maybe that's, yeah, that's he- called exploding it. Yeah, exploding it. But I do feel like it's interesting to to see how how well respected Nick Cage is in the actor community writ large. Yeah, to the extent that Ethan Hawke represents the actor community. (laughs) I mean, is there another actor who you would say is the better spokesman for the Uh, Cody Banks? (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into it. It's called Frozen Ground. It's a based on a true story about serial killer Robert Hansen who killed or was convicted for the deaths of, I think, 17 people in Alaska in the 70s and 80s. Not to be a dickhead, because that's Tim's job, but I, but, um, I think he was only convicted, ultimately, and spoiler alert, maybe, also, but I think he was only convicted for a few, um, right, but sure. he's responsible for up to 20-something, I, right. I, I 
my prep for this was reading his wiki page. It's unclear also as to how close to real life this movie mm-hmm. plays it. One thing that was interesting was that they used his real name, but Nick Cage's cop role was did not use the name of, of his IRL analog. Well, it is interesting. It's like if I wanted to make a Ted Bundy movie, I could probably mm-hmm. do it and use Ted Bundy's real name, but I might not be able to do so with the victims of Ted Bundy. They might have rights to their life story that Ted Bundy does not have. Well, I imagine all of the cast isn't going to want to come back. I mean, if you get Ted Bundy, that's fine. But you're going to need to get his wife. I don't remember. You need to get Shelley Long and Woody and Frazier and the whole gang. Right. Because I'm making a joke about married with children. Oh, I was doing Ted Danson. No, I was doing uh, Ted Bundy. That's the guy. No, it's Al Bundy. Al Bundy. Oh, boy. I was. I thought it was about TED Talks. So let's get some stats, Matt. You promised us some stats. All right, we open. You know it's going to be a good movie because it starts with a Bible quote. Anything mm. that starts with a quote of any kind, be it Bible, Zoe Deschanel, a Lummox uh, lyric, you know it's going to be good. White text on black, very classy mm. font. Beautiful. Really nice. You know you're in for something. You're in for a serious film. Um, and then boom, I, there are no like wide, there are very few wide shots in this whole movie. And it's just every scene is just smash cut into a close up of this person, smash cut. And so now we smash cut into a close up of Vanessa Hudgens. She, yeah, this scene Talk was about <laughs> a smash cut. Am I right, guys? <laughs> no, what do you mean by that? Yeah, what I, do you mean? I'm not really sure. I think it's a cinema technique, mm. <laughs> something to do with. So former Disney star Vanessa Hudgens is playing a prostitute. This scene I honestly found very confusing. I was I was unsure. I mean, spoiler alert. I was like, Nick John Cusack is playing the serial killer, but I was unsure if she was in his yeah in his lair in the woods or in like it seemed to be she was in like a seedy hotel i think she escaped to a hotel was it a flash forward and that's that actually is an irl thing um she did escape to a hotel well there we go right well it was it was very unclear if she was still with him or what i i was unclear of what was going on there but basically seeing other people yeah yeah exactly Uh, <laughs> Matt's face couldn't have been more uninterested in that joke, which but is strange you... because he really enjoyed it, but his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, she's talking to the cops and the cops are dicks. You know, they're these classic cops who are assholes. Well, the one cop too, I, I found I was immediately taken out when the cop decided to get on her level and hug her when she was scared and covered in blood. That immediately seemed unbelievable to me. You're not going to touch blood. I looked up who was playing that cop because I was sure it was one of the producers. Or like it was both Why? of the both of the two cops, the mean cop and the nice cop, were both so bad that I was like, <laughs> there's no way that these are actors who have auditioned. Because a lot of the supporting cast of this movie is pretty good. It's like the Dean Norris's. It's, you know, the guy Cent. from Veep. It's 50 that, Cent. That orange uh, is the new black guy. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I spaced on 50. 50. Yeah. yeah. Of course. I mean, but Which, like. By the, it, 50 is doing his, his, his part to single-handedly take our race backward four steps. 
You know, yeah. you know, he was like, "What's the most vile black man <laughs> role you, yeah. you can you can come up with?" And like, I feel like that hit the amazing hair wig. Choice, uh, yeah, yeah, amazing wig though. Yeah, that was really spectacular wig. Choice. And also, Nate, I don't know if you know this, but Fifty Cent, one of the producers on the film, I'm sure helped get this made in some capacity. Sure. All right. So plot wise, we st- we we open on Vanessa Hudgens. She's uh, traumatized. In a hotel room, the cops are interrogating, like, one cop is being very nice to her, one cop is interrogating her as if she is a suspect because she is a prostitute. She's a sex worker. She's a sex worker, so this cop has no respect for her. And I think even the line, how could you rape a hooker? Or how could you, she's a prostitute, how could you rape her? Like, a line akin to that is said very early on. So... That sort of sets the scene as well as like sets up her distrust of like cops in general and and know. ours as well. And yeah, well, ours are sort of ingrained already. I thought it was interesting how the way they described the the perp by sort of like that guy, he's a family man. No way. He was on your plane. I immediately thought like, oh, big CEO tycoon sort of guy, uh, because who does the who do the police know so well as a family guy and has a plane? Uh, I was very. But they go. Who are, police, are you talking about a like, real he, person? He was a baker. The real guy and this I know. character. Yeah, no, he's a I'm, baker. The cops. What, police when, know purveyors of carbohydrates. When <laughs> when when Vanessa's character says it's this guy, the cop basically says like, "What? That guy? No way. He's got a wife and a kid." Like, uh, he's a family man. He wouldn't do this. And refers to his plane. That seemed like weird information to put up top and made me think they're talking about someone who's, who's, who's like a rich guy. Yeah, well, there's... I, no, there's, in Alaska, you need a plane to, like, go to the bodega. I, I had no concept about the, like, geography of Alaska because I thought that, like, they were in Anchorage, which is, like, a city... But and his, then, his, and he's his bad, like outside. He's like his in the bad guy cab. Somewhere. He's got a cabin in the in the boonies that is only. And this is this is real from the wiki page of the actual serial killer. He's he's got a. They reference this um, weirdly spelled like river where victims are found. That it's like mm. Tuluk. It's it's clearly it's like an indigenous name. Um, that was somewhere that was only accessible by plane or boat. There, you know, there's. Right swaths of alaska where you can't drive mm-hmm. also does anyone watch has anyone watched the show alaska state troopers because it's no probably as good as this movie i will say that there are parts of this movie that i think are legit good though like yeah. i thought john cusack was legit good i thought this was Im- it was a very impressive i mean i've watched a lot of his performances over the course of doing this podcast and i think one of his biggest weaknesses is playing stupid because he is like very smart and he can play like smart, witty, sarcastic really well. But when he tries to play stupid, it just rings false. Whereas in this movie, I, I thought he played a very specific kind of sort of stupid very well. I well, yeah, I feel yeah. I don't I don't want to make that be the thing that makes me think of this next point. But my take was that he he was on the spectrum somewhere mm. uh, because it seemed it seemed to me like very similar to his Brian Wilson. <laughs> which we have is, not gotten to on the podcast yet oh I have not man seen, you but... have wasted my appearances uh big fan of that movie yeah we're not gonna have you on for that one. Oh, Sorry. come on let me <laughs> um yeah no i i thought that that was the thing because i don't know if i don't think he did a very good job in this movie i think looking at this movie his role seemed like it's the easiest 
because for whatever reason his character doesn't have to really display emotion at any meaningful level he sort of just bops around i i think that that and i it was a couple months ago or at least a month ago that i originally watched this and then in in preparing i tried to brush up but i only got got to watch a couple pivotal scenes it, it's it's in that interrogation when they finally like get him in the box to sweat him a little bit that's kind of his like you know yeah that's the, the when he can scene, start the, acting maybe. the yeah. diner scene in heat kind yeah, of, of, exactly. of this movie and uh <clears throat> i did and, actually... and he and he did he from uh, you know the sort of going from this kind of like dumb belligerent which are two words that get bandied about when talking about tim a lot but 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 going from this sort of belligerent <laughs> dumb denial to this to kind of transitioning to this cornered feeling where he finally gets like pissed i thought was he was actually pretty pretty yeah. effective at yeah that's a good point i think looking thinking of that moment too he had a very like cool everyman way of dealing with it because you wouldn't have like a sophisticated response to that i like that his response was you think I did that? Bullshit. I didn't. Bullshit. That. Yeah. That yeah. was actually pretty good. After we meet Vanessa Hudgens, we meet our lead, <laughs> our true lead, uh, because a body has been found by a river. Who's the cop that's going to? <laughs> this is the longest plot explanation. Yeah. We're, you we're like, really. You just introduced the main character. We're 45 minutes into this podcast, and we're oh, like three. No. Minutes into this I film. thought it was funny at first when Matt said, let's jump into the plot. And then he said, the camera opens. <laughs> I mean, you know, normally we go through all of the plot beat by let's beat. Let's do it. Um, yeah. So basically then we meet the cop who's going to be in charge of these missing persons cases slash these murders. And this is our boy, Nick Cage. Um, and we get dialogue like, he's methodical. He's done it before. You know, like we get like some really good cop jargon. Um, there's no record on computers. That's another line. Yeah, that God, down. that was good. Um, it's not because they only have CDs. You can't put a. You, they don't do records at all. Mm-hmm, exactly, and mm-hmm, it's not unlike sure. this podcast, which is on vinyl. There's no record on computers. When are you going to admit that there's someone taking these girls? This is like the kind of dialogue that's like setting up what the movie is going to be, which is. It, I feel like that's one of the problems with this movie is it doesn't know if it wants to be like a cat and mouse sort of you know insomnia type or seven type movie or a Mm -hmm. silence of the lambs it doesn't know where on the spectrum or like a very like like zodiac like a very docudrama true to life this is what happened and this is like how the evidence played out um and it's somewhere between like a really hollywood thriller and like a very docudrama way of going about it and i don't think it succeeds at either because it's just sort of lost in the middle and there's not really that many the the one like really suspenseful thrilling scene is the scene where there's like a chase scene because of like the hitman that john cusack's character hires and and that scene doesn't even have john cusack in it it's like there's not really a good battle between our lead and our villain and it just sort of i don't know that's what i really appreciate Also, what kind of serial killer hires a hitman he was well he was in jail at that point well and remember serial the serial killer i didn't hire anybody the serial killer asked the uh oh wait no he did it's a very very it's a very complicated plot it's it's really because i think it's non-linear um 
<laughs> I also wrote down Cusack is a Salieri type, which I think I was referring to Cusack. He's a good enough actor to know his limitations, and he's watching Nicolas Cage, who's clearly the Mozart of the of, mm. of not only mm. this film, but also like life in general. I liked mm. that. I liked what you said a great deal. I think Cusack yeah. is, is the Salieri to Cage's Mozart. Ah, uh, um, then that would make me the Franz Liszt. You are the Franz Liszt. Uh, Tim is the Philip Glass. And I oh. am the Jeff Ament. We're, we're really showing our breadth of classical music. Knowledge. Yeah. I ran on a name, so I picked the bass player yeah. for Pearl Jam. Also, Philip Glass after Franz Liszt, right? Hey. I, know, I, I had him on the brain because of Koyani's Hey, that's not what this scene. podcast's about. It's okay. It's not. Okay. Well, here's another thing that I really liked when we're being introduced to, you know, Q, uh, Nick Cage does not want to take this case. But he has to because mm, he's, he's this close to retirement, which they exactly say they, he says they exposition the fuck out of that. Yeah, his wife's got, like, hey, you're really close to retirement. I'm pretty yeah, sure. They, Should we be just to 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 to, to up to bump Nate's point uh, when he goes for cereal? <laughs> she said, we've already packed all the food and they're not moving for two weeks. Yeah, Tim, <laughs> Tim can't crazy. have. Tim can't have the cereal hidden for five minutes. Well, if you packed the food. <laughs> I mean, Nick Cage is the real serial killer in this picture, am I right? What I hate yeah. about Nate is that if you hit, if you swing so many, you're bound to make <laughs> to a connection. One, yeah. <laughs> so after we meet Nick Cage, he's getting a job with one of the oil companies, which I thought was a, f a fun little insight. You know, it's either you're a cop or you're an oil man in Alaska mm -hmm. in the 80s. Or, or a serial killer. Exactly. Speaking of, that's when we meet our boy, John Cusack. Whoa, he's nice, an upstanding man. citizen. He walks into the bakery where he's a baker, and there's a cop sitting at the counter. Everyone says hello to him. They know him. They love him. He's a family man. He's a nice guy. He's friends with cops. So we sort of get where he is. He's sort of, you know, like a John Wayne Gacy Jr. type. He's like beloved in the community meanwhile he's killing all these people nick cage tracks down vanessa hudgens which by the way can we talk about that scene where he hooks up yeah. with the guy from vice and the guy from vice gives him the rundown on on uh how prostitution works <laughs> that's oh, a, that's yeah. a strong that's a strong performance well, in it, and it's full of good information well also the thing one of the things i thought was interesting is um that john cusack how he meets Vanessa Hudgens is he's, he offs, offers her $200 for a blowjob, which I think is an astronomical amount of money for a blowjob in 1983. Okay. The last part was important to me. <laughs> I mean, but until, yeah, like, until, but even today, until, I think you're, you're paying like 50 came bucks. Out, I was like, what in the world is Matt saying? You're not, I mean, I don't know much about prostitution, but from what I know from like more realistic That's like movies, $500 in today money. Hey. Yeah, but you're, these, you're doing like 50 bucks, 25 bucks for a Hummer. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're yeah. not, you're not paying $200 for a blowjob. Well, that is a good uh, piece of evidence to suggest that you and I were raised in very different places, my friend. <laughs> yeah. You're much more privileged than me. You have all you have this two hundred dollar walking around blowjob money. <laughs> yep. Every day, my mom, when she sent me to school, she would give me six hundred dollars for lunch and two hundred dollars for playing around money. 
the real star of the scene, and and there's a few scenes like this, and I and it might be the star of the movie, is the soundtrack. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Not the score, not the Ooh. score, Tim. You boring fuck. But no, the but soundtrack. What a, what a fun thing to say. The star, a star of this movie is indeed the soundtrack. Now that yeah, we had like, some good, because, some good punk because, in here. Because typically, I just want to spell this out for the listener. Typically, when you say a star of a film, in ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people's minds, you're in talking their about mind's Lady eyes, Gaga. You're talking about Lady Gaga. You're talking about an actor, or you're talking about actors. You're talking about living, breathing people. So what Nate has done here, my brilliant friend Nate, said that a soundtrack is a star, subverting not only the craft of acting, but really me right in front of him. I'm flabbergasted. Nate, please. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so even with 50 Cent attached and and like they couldn't license a 38 special track or something like so whose idea of like CD Anchorage strip clubs? I don't know if you guys remember it. It's like this. I mean, I kind of loved it. And I looked up the band at one point because um, there was one band who did most of it. But it's this kind of like pretty hard like butt rock. It's not quite metal, but it's like right. aggressive hard rock, um, where it's it's that thing of like somebody's uncle might think this is what the the it sounds like in strip clubs. Um, well, let me just jump to the bite off a little bit of the trivia section we're going to get to later in the podcast. Ooh. One of the songs in the strip club is "Heavy Metal Shuffle" by Reagan Youth. Which was like you know mm. a hardcore band, That's right? That's right from the '80s. But I feel like the only reason they put them in there is because the lead singer of, da- of Reagan Youth was this guy David Rubenstein, whose girlfriend um, was a sex worker, and they were both you know addicts as well. And so he would go, he would wait around the corner while she would turn tricks uh, to get money and then go shoot up. But she once went around the corner and never came back. She said, I'll be back in 20 minutes, never came back. He called the cops, described the vehicle, and that's how they caught serial killer Joel Rifkin. Um, Whoa. So I feel like this weird tangible wow. connection to a different serial killer is the reason why they chose Reagan wow. Youth to be in there. Pretty cool. I mean, I yeah, don't know it's a that really s- weird coincidence. I don't know that serial killer. He was... I only know him because he was also the basis of like a Seinfeld episode because Elaine was, I think, dating someone named Joel Rifkin. And they were like, you have the same name as a serial killer. There's the band called Snatch Magnet that has a lot of the soundtrack um, credits here. Oh, is and that? I, I think they play some a lot of that kind of stink rock that you get in, right. the, in the clubs. I also like how everyone in this movie is vaguely doing like a New York accent. There's like yeah, Vanessa except, Hudgens yeah. is like sort of the, New York. The woman that takes Vanessa Hudgens' character under her arm. Oh, that is not. Yeah, uh, that is a full blown New York mm. <laughs> phony ass accent. Yeah, I am. I like to think that that actor just would not stop doing it, no matter how often she was told not to. People are gonna love this one. This <laughs> I don't know what it means if the 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 members of the podcast don't like this one. I'm just you know we're still only in the first act. We got a lot. Yeah, more we got to speed yeah. up the plot. This is a this is an eight actor, right? This yeah. So, so basically, we got we got Q 
Cusack is holding a different girl hostage in his like murder cabin up in the woods. There's a couple of scenes of like him almost getting discovered by a neighbor, but then he doesn't. And then Cusack realizes that he needs to track down and kill. A lot of the tension in the movie is Cusack needing to track down and kill Vanessa Hudgens because she is a witness to him. I just want to make a clarification. That was actually at his house in his den. Isn't that his cabin in the woods? No. But Nate was saying he has he lives in Anchorage, but he also has a cabin in the woods, and then he flies out into the wilderness. The cabin, and we we never see the cat. We only that's see where he takes them to go uh, to go most dangerous game on their ass. Yeah, yeah, there is no cabin. There's no cabin in the movie. Like he only has the den that has all of the taxidermy things. Right. Because and then the, he guy, he, the guy who he knocks on the him. door says, do you want, like, we brought you food. We're your next door neighbors. If it was a cabin in the woods, his next door neighbors would be, um, I don't know, birds or bears. I would say. Was a this an important distinction to make, Tim? Yeah. Like, I was great. speeding through this plot and I totally derailed now. Is it important? Is it an important distinction? It depends. <laughs> But in case someone was judging whether or not they should see this movie based solely off that fact, yeah, I think it's right. very important. Well, that is actually is important. Um, but basically, a lot of the content of the movie is Cusack searching for Hudgens, Cage trying to protect Hudgens. Hudgens is bouncing, bouncing around. She goes back to Fifty Cent at one point. Fifty Cent owes money to some gangsters who then like Cusack's hitman that he hires gets in. That is a whole thing that I didn't think we needed. Uh, that was not necessary. Yeah, there's a I scene where she meets a moose, which I, that was actually sort of cool. That was the art part. Yeah, yeah, that was the art part. She's she's sort of on like this Minnesota strip of Alaska, of Anchorage, Alaska, and then like runs into a moose. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was that was. Uh... Yeah, pretty disappointing. Did it, should, is it worth mentioning now that Matt Strickland is a really talented editor and is really good at excising? Is um, that going to make the cut? <laughs> the compliment. Will. The compliment will make the cut, but what you said earlier won't. I bet it'll make it. I bet it will. Yeah, there's just going to be a record scratch, and then Nate's compliment, and then another record scratch. You should have that like quadruple up. So it's, yeah. Actually, yeah. Nate's a very good, 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 talented, 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 talented. So basically. Nick Cage is trying to track down Cusack. He knows Cusack is the guy. He just doesn't have the evidence. Eventually, he gets him in a interrogation room, and they pull one of the old, uh, did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did. It's like exactly the same thing that happens in A Few Good Men, where it's like if you agitate someone enough, they're guaranteed to confess, and then you, you win the day. And that's what he does with Cusack. He pisses him off just enough that Cusack's like, I should have killed you when I had the chance when he sees Vanessa Hudgens. And that's how we all know. And then the credits are insane because they start showing yeah. the real life victims yeah. Yeah. to like this crazy guitar shredding. And it's probably from Snatch Pocket or whatever that fucking band was. <laughs> That was not what it was, but that's good too. <laughs> it's something as bad as that, and it's we're just watching these like real life victims of a serial killer come up on screen as just this like sub creed rock band is shredding music behind it, and it's 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 insane. It's an yeah, insane that, juxtaposition that really of 
I don't know what they want from us. And this movie is a is a real shame because I think both Nick Cage and Cusack are are good in it, and Fifty Cent and his hair are like truly amazing. And I feel like there is a good movie here. And it's it's Scott Walker is the writer director who never went on to make or do anything else yet. Uh, so do, have you guys see, have you seen the picture of Cindy Paulson, Vanessa's character from that sequence? In the real, because it's no. she was well cast. Unless they maybe just used a picture of her. That's just Vanessa Hudgens. That's Vanessa yes. Hudgens, you idiot. Why did they do that? That's, that's such so an odd... gross and weird. That's even weirder. That's I mean, so... maybe she wants to be... She's alive, so maybe she wants to be... Yeah, uh... maybe she wanted to be anonymous, but that is if that is like a gross decision to make. That's a real gross. They could have had a picture of Tim or something. And then Robert also, Hansen died in uh, in 2014. Right, right after the film was made, right? Yeah, he was probably so ashamed that... Cusack played him, or maybe he was, he was like hoping for like Brad Pitt. Yeah, he was hoping for someone bigger. <laughs> it's always a shame when you realize that you're not be like Brad Pitt isn't going to play you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who do you think would play you, Tim? Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah, oh, now, like, I was about to say that. Yeah, now that Philip Seymour Hoffman is dead, <laughs> I was thinking. Do you got you guys know? Uh, it's you guys know Philip Seymour Hoffman or Brad Pitt? Or no, it's a, I think it's if Vincent D'Onofrio like really let himself go. <laughs> oh man, I don't know who that is. I know. Oh, I'm talking about Full Metal Jacket. Oh um, Jesus, that guy. <laughs> yeah, actually, that criminal would, intent. That or like a very like disheveled Mark Ruffalo. Oh right? yeah, but yeah, again, I he'd have to that. really let himself go. Like if he went full ranch, like what De Niro did for no, Raging Bull. No, you know Bull with what that. I could see is like but, I would see Mark Wahlberg would take the script. He would try to do a Raging Bull, and then he would mm-hmm. also reset it in Boston. And he'd be like, "No, it's not in Phoenix anymore. Now it's in Boston, and it's Mark yeah. Wahlberg's story." Yeah, and instead of Guar, his mom is friends with Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, I looked up ugliest actor to see who you would play, <laughs> and uh, wh- who it, you know who it's gonna be. Uh, Ron Perlman. Is this, this guy for me it, or Nate? For Nate, this guy uh, isn't actually ugly, but this is just how it how it works out. For um, Nate, I feel like the big controversy would be a white person playing him and like really laying it on thick with the makeup and it'd be really <laughs> offensive i think D- dj qualls would play nate D- yeah dj qualls with like with makeup uh, on I, and, I, and then dj is. would get canceled and then life nate's life story would get really put on the back burner because people would be <laughs> yeah, focusing it, about the controversy it's mostly gonna be a weird early 2000s comedy <laughs> that the creator of it decided that nate wasn't interesting enough to make a mm-hmm. movie about all right, guys, so that's Frozen Ground. I like that they, they did end up saying the name of the movie in the movie when uh, oh, they Nick did. Cage was yelling at him at the end. He's just like, I will dig up everybody. I will wait till spring, and I will dig through the frozen ground, um, which they like. They Not waited till the that. end. Not doing that is the equivalent of having a song with a guitar solo where the lead singer does not yell out guitar exactly. before the solo. And let's hear some examples of that. Guitar! 
you gotta say the name of the movie in the movie. It's like Heat. You know how many and times in, in that movie do they say he, they say Heat oh, yeah. in the movie Heat so many times, and that's oh, yeah. why it's the such Heat. A great the thing movie. about the Heat is the Heat is yeah. the Heat. The Heat is around the corner, and they the are hot the because they're the Heat. All right, guys, let's get to some segments. This first segment is, is this one of the films he likes? Now, John Cusack has been quoted in The Guardian. I've made 10 good films. I'm sure you know which ones they are. The ones that suck, I tend to blank out. It's like I never even made them. So we know, so basically on the podcast, we have 10 slots. We're trying to fill as we go through every movie. Is this one of the movies that we think he thinks are good? Right, so far of... We have two two of the ten slots filled for with being John Malkovich and Stand by Me. Those are the two that are filmed. So, do we think that this is one of those ten movies that he thinks are his his ten good ones? Does he think Con Air is one of them? Because if not, no, he's... he's on record as saying he does not like that movie. What an asshole! Yeah, I say no. I don't think he cares for this movie. I I mean. The only way I could see it is if it's if in some world where he it, it is the chance to kind of play against type and to kind of and to, uh, you know, and to stretch out a little bit and to work with um, Nick Cage, uh, Mozart. 50 Cent, 50 yeah. Cent, <laughs> two Mozarts. I don't think well, 50 you... Cent would be the Beethoven here. Cause... Right, right, right. I don't think he likes it primarily because he's probably like a year, a year or two once it's made, it's already fairly dated. Right. And I think John Cusack is nothing but cutting edge, baby. And I think mm-hmm. he's very mm-hmm. much a a modern man and will look at this movie and say, you know what, especially at the end, I have to imagine the cues is plugged in enough to like the actual world to know that that title, that like credit sequence is just fucked. That credit sequence is awful. I feel like even at the premiere watching it, he was like, oh, no. Yeah. Like this is this is no. Do you good. think the Have director you saw to... the saw um saw the video for Runaway Train by Soul Asylum and was like I do I hundred percent think he wanted to get Runaway Train and he couldn't get the rights to it so he just made his own band do that he took so. their video I think we're gonna say this is not one of his movies that goes in that in that tag. sadly. Sadly, no. But he, here's the thing is, like, he doesn't make movies for him. He makes movies for us. Mm. Uh, let's move on to the next segment. This segment is called Coffee, Tea, Me. In honor of the person who spoke those famous words in the movie Working Girl, Joan Cusack. Now, if we were going to recast a part of this movie with Joan Cusack, who would we do it? I mean, the obviously, like, the humor funny answer would be like, oh, we got to have her be either his wife or we got to have her be, um, you know, the Vanessa Hudgens character. But realistically, where do we think she would shine the most? I mean, it's too, I feel like it's too bad that that Nick Cage's wife, I feel like that character. She's a bit of a wet blanket. Could have had a little more flesh on the bones. Yeah. Um, So I could see her reimagined as Joni. I think she takes DA. The DA, yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be a good one because she could, yeah, she could play like a really the, uptight that, DA. That stern, well. no nonsense. Well, I think like, the uh, the DA, the DA as it stands, seems like that was another character that I felt like they, similarly how you were talking about earlier, Matt, they didn't make a, like a clear decision. He seems like the reasons why he's not going to issue a warrant seem very careful and seem like to make sense. He doesn't seem like he's not interested in helping them. So I think that's 
they didn't make a real decision there about who is that guy by the way he was one of those like that guys fuller i'm actually a, a, a treasury of his fan club i really like him he's like the bad guy in ghostbusters 2 He's in, you know, a lot of those like '80s and '90s movies where he has to yeah. play like the little shit, like yeah, the the, the, the kinda... mayor's shitty guy, right. whatever. Yeah, he was born shitty for assistant. That. Uh, yeah, or like if there was like a warden, if the guy who was the warden in Shawshank didn't get that part, it would be him. You know, he'd be like that kind. That of would guy. be such a different movie. <laughs> I, I think he could do it. He's in that. So. He's in that like shit heel. No, but that dude's. Zone. I don't know. I think Joan Cusack, I would recast Joan Cusack in the Dean Morris role or the vice cop role. I think that'd be fun. Mm. Oh, yeah. I can see her really breaking down. Sort of play like a badass cop, you know, with like a baseball hat. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's who I would recast her. So actually on this podcast, I'm starting a brand new category. It's called Q's Tweets. It's where I look at, he's very active on Twitter, and I just put in his handle and the name of the movie, and I go through and see if he's responded to any of them. And he has. And on August 31st, 2020, The Frozen Ground was in the top 10 on Netflix, most watched. And he he did not screenshot it. He took a picture of his mm-hmm. TV with The Frozen Ground on it. And he said, good to see a film I made with Nick Cage and director Scott Walker finding an audience. So he is aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> He's aware of his that's, own movie. That's good. He's he's aware aware to acknowledge it. it. Yeah, yeah, he acknowledged it. I think that good that's to... telling about whether or not it's on his. I think it's. List. I think it's it has an that. audience to watch it. Well, I think it's. It would be more telling if he was just like this movie. I'm so proud of this movie. Or he said anything positive exactly, to the movie. Right. Yeah, is that's what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to Tales from the Trivia page. So I've already done the most interesting fact, which is the Reagan youth. But after that, also, so this other piece of trivia I thought was interesting is Scott Walker delayed shooting for five months so he could shoot on the cusp of fall, starting with no snow and ending in deep winter. He said he literally wanted to feel the weather closing in on the story, freezing the case, which I'm sure must have been so fun for the crew and cast to shoot outdoors in Alaska as winter is like approaching. I bet that little piece of like myth though kept everyone going. I, my favorite segment on this show is when I talk about how the people felt making the movie. Mm, yeah. And I think that that is actually kind of fun. I think, because uh, the people that lift the things want to lift the things. It may, but a lot of this was shot outdoors and it must have yeah. been so cold and not fun. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's go to our final segment. It's called Things I Like, Things I Hate, Things I Think Are Weird. Uh, Nate, what's one thing you liked about this movie? I, I liked a lot about this movie. Um, I I like, you know those weird kind of Gen Z speech patterns that are endlessly annoying? And I don't know if this is a Gen Z thing or if it's a, like a millennial thing or if it's a regional thing. But in the beginning, in the very beginning, when we first meet Vanessa Hudgens and she's screaming and it's unclear if she's just escaped the clutches of this dude or whatever, she does that thing of adding an awe to the end of, she's like, she's like, that's an Italian hands, thing. Uh. <laughs> that's <laughs> no, an Italian well, thing. No, but there's I'm like gonna a- I'm going to die on my hands. Uh. <laughs> there's a slightly subtler version of that that you'll get amongst some um, native English speakers. Right. And- it's 
strangely annoying and kind of sexy with when mm-hmm, she does it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, um, that, but I no, I thought the performances were like, you know, at least the leads were all, were all pretty solid, and I think um, like it, it, it's an interesting case of where you you have folks who. I mean, because the other time that Cusack and Cage have been in the same thing, of course, it's like fireworks, right? It's like yeah, endless I mean, that's fireworks. one of the greatest movies of all time. But and he, here's a here's a place where they're sort of kind of I don't know if Nick Cage is like playing down to Cusack's kind of bland, you know, interior monster situation or what or what, but it's just like you know I think they're like solid, fairly understated performances. I would agree. I and this will be my thing. I like too. I think Cusack is genuinely very good, and I think you know Cage is. You know, he's obviously been way, way better, but he's also been way, way worse. He's he he he's solid. I think the performances across the board are pretty are pretty good. Even I think Fifty Cent's really good. It took me so long I'll, to I'll even recognize it. him. Albeit yeah. deeply problematic, but Tim, what's one thing you like? I like the. I think this movie has some. F- I think this movie has some like fun little uh, characteristics, so some sort of fun devices. I like that Cusack's character flies and he has his own little plane. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool. I've I've never seen in a movie like one character's ability to completely scrub his house or something for uh, you know evidence or whatever. I thought that was really fun. I like that he yeah. took his son with him. I think there's like just that's a cool thing. I like that this character has a plane, I guess, is what I'm saying. He also, the real the real guy, Bob Hansen, um, committed insurance fraud to obtain that plane. He bought he bought that oh. plane through, which I don't I think they mentioned that. They mentioned that they're trying to get him on insurance fraud, but they don't yeah, which, give yeah, which any they details did. about. He falsely claimed a bunch of trophies, which I think I may mean taxidermied heads, because that was his main kind of pursuit besides raping and killing women. Um, I also think out, outside of 50 Cent, which I do believe was his own choice, and I, I think that because it's bizarre, but also the costuming and the, and the rest of this movie is great. I really love, mm-hmm. like, you get a good sense of Cusack's character with those sort of, like, rugged overcoat or those, like, sort of shacket things. Also, Vanessa Hudgens, like, uh, furry coat. Iconic. Mm-hmm. That was very, very cool. I liked seeing that. Let's move on to things I hate. I think hate's a little bit too strong a word for me, but I do not like how they, I think the tone of the movie was a little off. And I think just where they decided to have the focus, the, I think the focus was too split between Hudgens, Nick Cage and mm-hmm. John Cusack. I think the movie could have worked as like sort of, you know, a heat cat and mouse between Cusack and Cage and had Hudgens character be much, much less and they, they yeah. you know, they threw that whole... Michael Mann would not give a woman yeah. that much, you know, or I think <laughs> that if many he, minutes. I think if Cusack was, like, barely in the movie and it was, like, mm. mainly Hudgens' story to tell and, like, it was Hudgens' top build, Cage, second most, and then the killer barely in it and we, like, don't know much about the killer. And I think trying to split it between the three of them really, like, it ended up being no one's story and it sort of, I think, hurt the movie because I think there is a good movie with, like all the things we said just earlier it's there's there's yeah. a lot of good stuff yeah i just, i second that point i think that's a good way of sort of expressing where i had trouble with it like i never felt really bored during it but i did feel like thinking about it now 
uh, Vanessa Hudgens' character appears too much. Um, Nick Cage's character appears too much in my mind. And John Cusack doesn't appear enough if we have the sort of dynamic that we do. Um, maybe another way in which the decisions weren't really made one way or another. Because yeah. you get a totally, like, yeah, you're totally right. You get a completely different movie if John Cusack shows up at the end. And yeah. then it's just about their relationship. But instead, you sort of get halfway between all of them. You got to use your A-listers. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're, no, if you're kind of, no, if you're stable. No, <laughs> no but no. I, but I. No, art I, is art, Nate. Art is art. No, no I agree. You have to use, Albert Ayler. you have to, you have to use your A-listers for sure. But you also like, you could, there's a version of the movie where it's main, it's like the Nick Cage story and that's a good movie. There's a version of the movie where it's the John Cusack story and that's a good movie. But there's, and there's a version where it's the Vanessa Hudgens story told from like the victim's, victim's perspective, you know? And it's there's like, a version where it's Alaska's story. It's a love, it's a love letter to, to Anchorage. It is sort of a love letter to Anchorage. <laughs> yeah, this is like Woody Allen's Manhattan, but for Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> And it's equally creepy, both of them. Every city gets one. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a version of this movie where Snatch Pocket is the main character. <laughs> and maybe that's the one we got. And maybe that's the problem. Snatch Pocket being that rambunctious animated cat, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, any final thoughts on The Frozen Ground starring John Cusack, Nicolas Cage, Vanessa Hudgens, Dean Norris, and of course the great Kurt, whatever you said. What's that guy's name, Tim? I already forgot. <laughs> and of course, the great Kurt Brunoler. Dink Stinkler. <laughs> Dink Stinkler. Um, any final uh, thoughts? Yeah, I got final thoughts. Frozen this... ground, more like hot ground after me after watching it. Boy, with all that, with that scary guy, I was itching under the collar to get the heck out of Dodge, buddy. So that's a hot recommend from Tim. I give it a, I give it a three out of nine. Three out of nine, so you did not like wait, it. Wait, hold on. Let me change that. I give it a I give it a five out of nine. I would say I would also give this film a five out of nine. Uh, and so I think that's a a little bit of a recommend for all three of us. It's on Netflix now, so you might as well just throw it on. It's definitely, I would say, a hangover movie for sure. I slightly that, recommend it. Where does that nine scale? Is that like a new innovation in ra ratings? If you have to ask, you don't know. All right. Well, I think that's a soft recommend from all of us. Uh, Tim, yeah. where can we find you on the internet? You can find me as a podcast co-host myself on the wonderful podcast with Michael Wolf, Wikipedia, anywhere podcasts are found. Wikipedia, any that's on Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, that kind of oh, thing. Oh yeah, babe. Oh yeah, every single Wikipedia article, A to Z. Well, you know the game. I uh, I am going to be a future guest on that pod once they get towards like the G's, the F's. I've been promised. So give us uh, like uh, seventeen. <laughs> and we so got yeah, it. give me some. Give keep a lookout for that. Uh, Nate, where can we find you on the internet or any of your work? Um. Well, there's some registries I'm on, but I don't advertise those. You can't um, get married that many times, Nate. Hey, hey, I've given you. A, I've given Nate like six blenders. <laughs> <laughs> My blender budget's a fucking serious dent in it. He's the guy that uh, runs that YouTube thing. Will it blend? Yeah, I, I don't know. So you can see Nate in uh, Avatar Two. That's twenty twenty four. Look out for that. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for being on the pod. And then John, as always, we miss you. We love you. Stay safe. 
Baby